when you achieve human connection in the workplace, it's everything. It's, and in fact, it's the number one thing that uh, humans who come to work are looking for, a connection not only to other people that they work with, but also a connection to the purpose of the company. Because when you get a connection to the purpose of the company, it builds your personal meaning for what you're doing. And that too, just unleashes this virtuous circle that's good for everybody involved. Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. Thanks for joining me for episode 52 of the Impact Makers Podcast. My guest today is a senior executive at WorkHuman, a company that helps forward-thinking organizations energize their cultures, unlock their employees' passion and potential, and unite around a shared purpose. I've had the pleasure of working with the WorkHuman team for over five years now, both attending and speaking at their amazing and unique WorkHuman Live annual conference. Each year, the conference is kicked off by the colorfully and impeccably dressed Derek Irvine, who is WorkHuman's Senior Vice President of Client Strategy and Consulting. Derek is one of the world's foremost experts on social recognition, continuous performance management, engagement, and the future of work, and he's passionate about helping business leaders to elevate their vision and ambitions for their company culture. Derek is also a renowned speaker and co-author of three books, including Winning with a Culture of Recognition, The Power of Thanks, and the latest, Making Work Human, How Human-Centered Companies Are Changing the Future of Work and the World, which he co-authored along with the CEO of WorkHuman, Eric Mosley. Their book is full of practical strategies based upon wide-ranging research, extensive data and analysis, and real-world case studies, and it also covers how weaving the three pillars of thank, talk, and celebrate into the daily lives of employees can reinforce an organization's purpose, improve productivity, and even magnify the social impact of the business. Derek always shares a ton of great wisdom and advice in his keynotes and books, and I think you'll really enjoy our conversation today. You'll also come away with some practical action steps that you can take to create a more human-centered workplace for the people that you lead and serve. Well, welcome, Derek Irvine, to the Impact Makers podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today and talk about the book that you have co-written with the CEO of Global, or not Global Force, Work Human. See, I'm, I'm like been around for such a long time. I, I still think of you as both. The book's called Making Work Human, and I'm really excited to chat with you about it today. Well, thank you. Delighted to chat to you about it too, Jennifer. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, kind of what the thought process was about writing the book in the beginning. And obviously it's evolved with a lot of things happening in the world over the last several months. And so you started with a premise and then you ended with a finished book. How did that process go? Yes. Well, I think even before COVID, uh, obviously the workplace was changing enormously. You know, we had multiple generations in the workplace. You had teams that would be spread across the globe, different geographies, different time zones. You know, lots of agile ways of working where the traditional organizational structure, which was more hierarchical focused, just no longer fit for purpose. So the workplace was changing very dramatically, where I think HR needs a new response to this more agile world. And what we really feel is a key response is connection. Mm -hmm. How can you create human connection in the workplace? 
Because when this human connection, it tends to open up this virtuous circle where everything gets better. Everything gets better for the human themselves that's working there and also for the organization. Now, of course, that's been accentuated even more as a result of COVID. We need that connection in our workplace even more. Yeah, so human connection is not probably something that leaders would typically lead with when they're talking about business performance or making the workplace better. But obviously, you've been talking about that for a while. So tell us more about you know, both what the research shows and, and what your premise is, is that human connection makes a tremendous difference for businesses. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Leaders and, and HR have not taught about human connection for decades because really the way that we've been managing our companies was developed in the Industrial Revolution, you know, many decades ago. And, and all of those bureaucratic approaches that we applied to administer a, a production facility, you know, they're, they're just not suitable any longer for the real human workplace that we have today. But we want to encourage innovation. We want to encourage creativity. We want to encourage the very best of humanity because that's, those are the types of organizations that are succeeding today. The ones that have great innovation, great creativity. And those come truly through humanness. So what has HR and leaders been focusing on? I think, you know, we, we've been focused too much on the bureaucracy, on installing the HRIS system, on the project management system. And if you write a list of all those different things that companies have been investing in over, over many years, it's a long list. But on the other side of the page, if you write a list of the things that they've been investing in to bring more humanness, more connection into the workplace, it's a short list. And wrongly so, <laughs> uh, because what we write about in the book, and it's full of case studies that prove this, is that when you achieve human connection in the workplace, it's everything. It's, and in fact, it's the number one thing that uh, humans who come to work are looking for, a connection not only to other people that they work with, but also a connection to the purpose of the company. Because when you get a connection to the purpose of the company, it builds your personal meaning for what you're doing. And that too just unleashes this virtuous circle that's good for everybody involved. So it's really important human connection. And I know Brené Brown talks about it a lot too in, in, in her book and her research. Well, if Brene Brown says it, it must be true, right? (laughs) (laughs) So human connection, is this something that, you know, when you talk about workplace cultures, you know, some cultures are proud of, you know, being a hard driving culture where it's all about business results. Is it possible for even those types of cultures to also focus on human connection to make a difference in their business results? Yeah, of course, there's all sorts of different company cultures that are going to work, you know, according to the industry you're in, the type of people that you've got on board. But I think, you know, basic human DNA is built upon uh, respect, is built upon civility, is built upon a sense of belonging, a sense of embracing diversity, that there are different types of people in the workplace. So the type of workplace that you described there a moment ago, I think it can suffer very often though from being a, you know, a mono type of culture, which comes really from the command and control hierarchical structure that those at the top are assumed to have the best type of culture and that the rest of us should somehow follow it in a, a copycat way. Um, whereas I think true human centric cultures embrace our differences allow more variety of thought and behavior, 
Uh, and that that in itself is what creates the virtuous circle of feeling like you work in a more human workplace where people can really bring their whole selves to the workplace. So a long answer, I suppose, to say that the type of culture that you described, that's, you know, let's go, 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 and let's, you know, push together and hard. I think it can suffer a little bit too much from just being a, a monoculture mm -hmm. rather than one that's more open to different forms of opinions and different ways of thinking. Sure. Well, I think, you know, the mission of both Work Human being both a company, an organization and a movement, I love the mission of Work Human to galvanize leaders worldwide to harness the transformative power of the next generation of people practices. And then the Work Human movement is out to change the world by changing work. So that makes you truly impact makers. I love that. One of the the things that you lay out in the book is a Work Human Charter of Workplace Rights. Um, so in this work human movement to change the world by changing work, you're proposing that businesses adopt a, a work human charter of workplace rights. Tell me more about that. Yeah, well, a little bit like all the way back to after World War II, you know, when the world was in a pretty desperate place and needed to rebuild itself. Uh, back in 1948, you know, we had the United Nations release a new universal charter of a universal declaration of human rights. So the, the, the thinking is kind of the same, that if you look at what's happening in our world at the moment, there's a lot of stressful issues. We had the Me Too movement, the Me Too panel at, at our Work Human Conference, um, issues like Black Lives Matter right now. Um, you think about what's happening in, you know, the, the very purpose of organizations and companies um, where the business roundtable, I think it's about 180 companies have signed a charter to say that it's no longer only about shareholder value. That's no longer good enough. We need to be thinking about all stakeholder value. You look at the things like one in five workers are likely to suffer some sort of mental health problems that are caused by workplace stress. You look at data that comes from Davos, the people that organize Davos, and it shows that on current practices, if we do nothing, it's going to take us about 108 years to achieve gender balance in the workplace. Now, I think that's incredibly slow. And in fact, it's going to take over 200 years to achieve economic gender balance in the workplace. So we have a lot of issues in our workplace, is the point. Yes. Um, you know, this is not a, a perfect zone. But yet there's a really interesting insight that comes out of um, the Edelman Trust Index that shows that organizations and specifically within companies, the team that I work with is one of the most trusted organizations that there is today in the world, more trusted than our government, more trusted than an NGO. So there's a real opportunity, I think, for businesses to be leaders in addressing those sort of social and environmental and business concerns that I identified. So in the book, we, we, we have a call to action, a call to let's make progress faster. Let's make progress as businesses. So we describe that as the Work Human Charter of Workplace Rights. And then related to that, is we've, we've released a work human certified program, which I suppose you could say that the charter is the agenda and then work human certified is a roadmap that shows you and explains the types of different things that you can do to, to address the different rights that are in the charter. Okay. And you also mention or bring out three pillars to the future of continuous performance management and culture management. Thank, talk, and celebrate. So tell me more about those pillars. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Although I'm conscious, actually, just to go back there a moment, Jennifer, that, uh, to mention what some of the rights are that are in the Charter, uh, sure. because we'll talk, I'm sure, about those a little bit more as well. Mm-hmm. I have the right to do meaningful work. Uh, I have the right to be appreciated. I have the right to work-life harmony. I have the right to belong. I have the right to grow. I have the right to be paid fairly, the right to privacy, the right to feel safe and respected, and the right to work in a place that strives to protect the environment. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, these are issues that very much came about as a result of the Work Human Life Conference, in fact. Um, and after our last physical event, we polled attendees about some of the issues that were current then. And we've updated those talking to change leaders, clients, ambassadors, about what's relevant right now in the workplace to be addressing. And that's where the rights came from. Yeah. Uh, so just fill, it, fill in that gap. So back then to your your next question, which was that in the book, we do talk about three pillars that we believe can really help create a human-centered workplace. And I would say that, you know, we've been working with some of the world's most admired companies for, well, me personally, two decades now I've been in this, this particular space. And over those two decades, you know, if I was to boil it down to three really powerful words, that bring humanity forward in your workplace. They are thanking each other often because in thanking each other, you know, there's, there's this, just this tremendous I see you moment. I see what you did. I appreciate what you did. I value it. Thanking is super powerful as, as a word. The second really powerful word is talking often. So you think about how, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about talking about the weather or nor is it an update on a project that you're doing, but genuine, authentic listening and talking in order to develop somebody. So stopping the annual performance review that, you know, is is that genuine talking to each other once a year and talking to each other authentically much more frequently throughout the year. Super powerful way to inject additional humanity. And the third word is to celebrate. You think about the amount of time that we spend in our workplaces together. So it's really important that we get to celebrate birthdays, the birth of a new baby. Maybe there's new pets in the house, graduation. These are super powerful human connection moments where we get to see people in a different light. So thanking, talking, celebrate are the three really powerful pillars that I recommend for bringing more humanity into the workplace. Yeah, and I think you have the research to back that up, but that's something that on the surface, you would probably say it makes sense. And and we've been in workplaces, obviously, for years where we've primarily maybe been co-located. You know, we've had people right outside our doors that work on our teams. And many leaders have failed to do those things working in person for many years. How do you think it's either easier or more critical or more difficult with a lot of workplaces now being distributed with people working remotely and working from home? Yeah, it's it's definitely the case. You know, they, they don't teach many of these human-centered skills in MBA school, as it were. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, they're, they're super powerful. And as you said earlier, we have the research to prove that these are super powerful. That's what's really exciting, too, about the book is it's packed full of case studies that are, are data-backed. But, you know, to me... It's, it's moving beyond thinking about the manager as the single person upon which all the responsibility for this falls. Because actually, in our experience, the most powerful cultures where they're thanking, talking, and celebrating together a lot 
is when you open up the peer-to-peer and community possibilities of all of this. So yes, a manager should be encouraged to do those three words too. But actually, as we saw in the Adelman Trust Index, it's even more powerful when it's the team of people around you that you're agilely working with, you know, because you're bouncing between different teams very often in today's workplace, when they're celebrating with you, when that team is thanking you for the things that you did, when they're talking to you authentically about some skill that they want to help you develop, that's when it's even more powerful. So I would say these types of initiatives, yes, HR and senior leadership need to give their blessing to introduce them. But the sooner that you enable the community to feel like the community owns it and that they can work together leveraging those words across the organization, you get this network effect of relationships and connections. That's the most powerful moment. Mm-hmm. And is that something that a technology solution is required or preferred to enable that? Or is it something that you know we can do old school? analog. Well, that's exactly right. You know, I think uh, very often people say, gosh, more technology to bring humanity into the workplace. Doesn't that seem like it's, you know, uh, an opposite? (laughs) But in fact, technology can be such a powerful lever of, you know, what we need as human beings sometimes, which is a nudge along and to bring visibility to our connections. If we were to do what I described old school, you know, there'd be a lot of paper floating floating around the organization. There'd be no way really to track the history as it were of who's forming relationships with who, what are people talking about. But when you apply a very simple layer of technology, it becomes the record, the story of the organization as it were. And actually it's really fascinating the insights that you can get as a consequence of the data. You know, we've been working with clients now on all sorts of things like spotting soft skills, skills that are otherwise hard to, you know, pick up in in, in any other traditional HRIS system. We also had great insights as COVID was exploding around the world. We were able to watch what people were talking about as they thanked each other and celebrated topics. We were able to watch the mood of the company as COVID spread around the world. So a layer of technology can be super powerful to help with this, yes. Mm-hmm. So with this time period that we've been in, again, with a lot of people, the world up and did a lot of people sent home to work, et cetera. You've seen, I'm sure, the same data that some of the engagement scores have gone up, actually, with some of the thoughts being that it's gone up because, number one, people obviously feel grateful to have a job and the opportunity to work, but that there has also been a sense of more connection to the workplace because leaders are communicating more, because we are making it a point to check in with people. Is that something that that you have seen both with WorkHuman and also through your research as well? Absolutely, it is. Um, and it's, a, it's an excellent point. I, I mentioned earlier how we were able to look at what people were talking about as COVID started in China and spread its way across Europe. And the early words that people were talking about was like stress, flexibility, you know, keeping the, the, the ship sailing. You know, a lot of words that looked like, gosh, you know, we've got to get stuck in and fast and, 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 and keep things going. And then you fast forward about three months COVID, of course, was still there and in, in, being managed in a different way. And we find words like, thank you for the compassion, friendship, uh, community. The vocabulary had shifted where it had moved from a, a set of vocabulary around stress to, as you just identified, Jennifer, you know, people feeling that they, this was a unique opportunity to have had a human connectedness moment. And of course, here we are doing it right now also. We're all Zooming, we're Skyping. And we're looking into each other's homes. And I think it just naturally creates a more human moment 
where there's a chance to discover a little bit more about each other's personalities. A cat walks across the table, a dog jumps up. You know, the, the humanity is being forced in as, as we've all been doing this huge digital pivot that we're up to at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I did a, a virtual conference last week for a global HR team and the leader of the team had mentioned to everyone, it was about 40 people. And she said she actually wanted everyone to have their cameras on, you know, because she wanted, to, I don't know, for whatever reason, she wanted to see their faces during, during, yes. um, you know, my presentation and program. And so when I logged on initially, of course, people were coming on one by one and, you know, I'm sure they've seen each other maybe individually for smaller team meetings or whatever, but the fact that they were able to see people's backgrounds, whether it was their home or their office, or in some case, even the virtual background that they chose, it created a lot of conversation. A lot of people saying, oh, I really like, you know, your yeah. wall painting or your dog or your cat. And it was kind of interesting to see that creation of a different kind of connection that if that team had been brought together as they normally would for an in-person conference, that was a piece of connection and getting to know one another that would have been missed. Yes, I, I agree. Although I think it's important to balance as well that it does mean that we're all kind of a little bit like we're on a TV show mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> uh, when you're on video. So I agree completely, you know, that there's opportunities to turn on the video. Let's all do it together. But I think at the same time, the other side of that coin is, look, switch it off. You know, if you just need a, a, a time where you feel you can contribute by listening and speaking and you don't want to be on TV, as it were, yeah. or you, uh, something we encourage in our company is a walk and talk. Maybe you've been on a lot of calls uh, throughout the day, you know, put on the earpiece and take a walk out in the park nearby. And that's okay because we've got to get a balance in the, uh, the work-life harmony too. Sure. So as we're moving through this time period into what's next, you know, we used to talk about the future of work. It's still the future of work, but it's what's next. Those same engagement surveys, several of them are also saying now that engagement scores are going back down. Is it because that initial blush of connecting with people and making work more human is off or do you know, are we not doing something to sustain the gains that maybe we've received as a result of the changes that were made to connect people? I think it's definitely a lot of those things. You know, there's no doubt about it. What we said before, a lot of connectedness happened and happened, you know, very rapidly. But at the same time, there's a there's more of an always on sense around work. I mean, I see colleagues that uh, they're working from their bedrooms, the bed is behind the, the Zoom call. And you got to, you know, the reality is that's where they're sleeping. They're getting up, they're having their breakfast. They're seeing their desk immediately. And no doubt they're checking into work more frequently than they might have otherwise done. Plus, there's again, no doubt about it, that as social, you know, humans were social. And while virtual is good, I don't think there's anything will ultimately replace the physical presence of being together. And someday we will get back to that uh, easily, for sure. Mm So that would be my feeling is that people are additionally stressed. And we've seen it in some of the productivity figures too. You know, productivity is up substantially. Mm-hmm. But what cost? You know, because people are working extra hours, we've got to get a balance. So I feel that's part of the answer for the engagement figures going down too. Sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that's always interested me and that I've conveyed to leaders over the last few years, whether it's in coaching situations or in the presentations that I do, is the importance of connecting the work that your your employees or your team members do to the bigger picture. 
So in other words, the, the purpose of the organization. So the work that I do matters. And how do you as a leader really infuse in your employees that the work that they do, whether it's making widgets on the widget manufacturing line, matters to the bigger picture. So in the book, you talk a lot about the difference between meaning and purpose at work. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and also how leaders can can help their employees to connect with that? Yes. Well, what I would say in in terms of a shorthand answer is that purpose is something that's shared across the wider organization, whereas meaning is what it comes down to for me personally. Mm -hmm. So an organization can have its goal and its mission of what it wants to achieve in the world, like work human. You know, our goal is to bring more humanity into the workplace. Uh, generally speaking, as you said, we have a, a mission. We are we often say we're a mission with a company. But in terms of turning that into meaning, you have to ask, well, what does somebody who works in our accounts department, how does this represent meaning to somebody in our accounts department? So actually, it's something that we've been investing a lot of time ourselves in, is exploring every moment of the human experience, what's working in our company, so that everybody really understands how their touch points and their connection, you know, creates meaning for the people that they interact with, but also for themselves. So, you know, the person who works in accounts, their fulfillment of our mission is by being, you know, this friendly, efficient, responsible face that, of course, ensures the money comes into the organization paying for the software, but also ensuring that our clients are satisfied with what they're paying for, that they understand the value of what they're paying for, because there's many touch points where that can be the case. So it's about, and how then to the second point of your answer, I think, you know, if you apply the three pillars that I mentioned earlier, that can be a way to boost that sense of meaning. Because if we're thanking this person in the accounts department for when they consistently do their job in a quality way, or they go above and beyond in terms of the experience they create for the people they interact with, we're talking to them about, you know, the contribution that they make in the organization, talking to them about the link between what you do and what the company mission is, and then celebrating our company successes together, our personal successes together, it helps to bring a marriage between all of those those things, purpose and meaning. Okay. And so one of the things when I think of work human, and again, it's, it's, it's talked about in the book, is gratitude. And when I think gratitude, it's expressing thanks, it's expressing appreciation. So all the things that, you know, making work human is about. But but what role does gratitude actually play in motivating employees to do their best work? You have research, I think, that shows that it's critical. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, if you talk about, for example, the traditional performance appraisal space, and you know, the fact that we have for so long thought that you could save up all your observations to just one point in the end of the year, mm-hmm. <laughs> and how ridiculous that is now looking. Uh, but it's it's a, it was something that was developed, as I said, during the industrial revolution. And again, though, within that, I often find myself having conversations with people who are saying, "Well, I want to have a feedback culture. I want to be able to give." constructive feedback so people can develop. I always think that conversation completely starts at the wrong end of what encourages humans. I feel the right entry point to what encourages humans is positivity. And and gratitude is a a huge booster of positivity. And as you said in in, in the book, we, we show how gratitude is shown to be about 30 times more effective, 30 times more effective than any other feedback that you might want to give to somebody. And why is that? It's, it, you know, it's because we're all seeking it. We all want to know that what we do matters. We all want to know that we're seen, that we're valued. But also when you build that base of gratitude, it becomes like this foundation of trust 
where the person who's giving you the gratitude, the positivity, you know, it's a foundation of trust upon which we can then start to layer other things, including the more constructive feedback of something that I need to stop doing or something that I didn't do very well. I'm much more likely to be receptive to that message when it's given to me from people that I know that I trust because they're also super good at giving me positive reinforcing feedback. So it's an incredibly powerful lever that is vastly underutilized. <laughs> right. So when I, you know, I think it's it's important for us to really as leaders think about how we can decouple saying thank you from gratitude. Because to your point, I think gratitude is more about recognition of the work that's being done. You know, whether it's something that I've read or heard, you know, you, you hear for parents that it's important instead of saying, you know, congratulations, Johnny, on your first place award. It's more about recognizing the work that Johnny's putting in along the way in order to achieve the reward so that the accomplishment is the hard effort and the work rather than the end result. And in the workplace, I think that's that's what we need to focus on as leaders as well. How do I recognize your daily efforts and show gratitude for what you're doing daily while also being grateful that, you know, we've achieved a certain success metric? Does that kind of relate to what you also believe in terms of gratitude? Well, that's absolutely right. And maybe two quick stories to illustrate that point. I mean, I write about in the book how I have four kids, I have double twins. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that'll work. And if I think about, you know, the amount of times I need to say, I love you, you know, well done. If I was to write all those on a yellow post-it note and say, I'm going to keep them to the end of the end of the year for our appreciation meeting, uh, <laughs> I mean, how hopeless that would be at building human connection and relationship. And, you know, it's as simple as that. It, you know, as humans, we know how to do this. We don't need a guidebook. We know how to do this. Yeah. And it's obvious in that situation, what's the better way to do it? Yeah. But then a second story that we also write about in the book, which I think illustrates this beautifully, is a client of ours is Bay State Health. And uh, when they launched their Celebrates program, which is an employee recognition program, one of the early recognitions was from a really senior surgeon to the gardener. And it went something like this, that uh, I want to let you know how appreciated your work is. You might think, you know, you're just mowing the lawn and tending the flowers. But patients day after day tell me, how impressed they are when they come into our campus and how beautifully prepared everything is. And it says to the patient, this is a place that cares. This is a place that will treat me with quality, with respect, as I've seen in the garden that I drove through to come here. Mm -hmm. And here you have this really senior surgeon making a connection that probably otherwise would not have happened in the organization so simply. And it's a complete reinforcement of all the things that we've spoken about already. It's a reinforcement of, well, what is the, the purpose of a medical center? What is the sense of meaning now for that gardener? And it's pointing out you know, the, the excellence with which that job is being done. And that gardener now has a completely different perspective of their work. But the great thing about the, the evidence then at the end of all of this is that we demonstrated a connection to patient satisfaction uh, being boosted by about 3 to 4% shortly some months after the launch of their Celebrates program. So you can see it, it helps in so many different spheres. It's, it's really powerful to think about thanking people in the way we've been talking about Sure. Well, I think obviously in that example, the leader shows a lot of emotional intelligence and maturity and in, in thinking about how to express appreciation and gratitude in a thoughtful way that ultimately connects all of those things. 
So for all the leaders who aspire to be <laughs> that kind of leader, what is yeah. one action that you recommend they take today to create a more human workplace in their organization? Yeah, well, coming back to the three words, I suppose, think about uh, the team you're involved in and say to yourself every day, who could I thank today? Is there something I'm particularly thankful for, something I spotted somebody do? Think about a moment to thank somebody. Or secondly, who could I have a really authentic chat to, a really authentic talk about, you know, some skills that I see being developed well or maybe not so well, but that it's from a very authentic base? And thirdly, celebrate something together. Me and my staff team today, we're going to be celebrating Halloween because it's the first, uh, uh, it's our last team meeting before Halloween. So we'll be dressing up in our Zoom meeting. It's an opportunity to celebrate. Mm -hmm. But what else could you be celebrating throughout the year? Because you'll have a laugh, you'll have fun, and you'll create human connection as a result. Yeah, and I think as leaders, it's also important to be intentional about that. I know several years ago in my career as a leader, it had been brought to my attention. I was very grateful that one of my employees came to me to say that she didn't feel appreciated. I thought I was doing a great job. But, you know, I walk by, I say hello every day. I'm available if she needs me. You know, my door is always open. You can ask questions. And I kind of assumed that made me a great boss. But she came in and told me that she basically didn't feel like I saw her, that the work that she would do every day. So was grateful for that feedback. And I actually put it on my calendar several times a week to go out and find someone, not just on my team, but to walk through, you know, the, the, this was a manufacturing organization and a corporate office. So to walk through the offices or the, or the manufacturing facility and to try to find people to recognize and to appreciate. Mm -hmm. Um, And that made a huge difference, not only for my team, but how I felt as a leader. And so is it something that you also recommend? That was a pretty leading question, but <laughs> to be intentional about whether it's scheduling time or doing something to make sure that recognition, gratitude, appreciation, thanks, making work more human doesn't just become an afterthought. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the key word in that, uh, Jennifer, is intentional. There's a wonderful book, uh, Moments That Matter. And it's it's exactly about that, you know, finding moments that matter to people. And, and, you know, so much work is filled with the project, pushing things through as milestones. But then to be able to interslice your year with these other important moments and being intentional about watching after them, finding them, just creates a completely different energy in the workplace. In fact, in the book, we talk about the evolution from HR thinking about human capital as as the key focus. And I think in that era, it's the project, the money, the delivery. Then we fast forwarded to employee experience, which was beautiful offices, you know, fuzzball, table tennis, uh, good food, the human, the employee experience. But fast forward now, it's the human experience. So, and as I said, you don't need a, a guidebook to know what human experience is because we all are it, but it's becoming intentional about reminding ourselves that we're working with humans and humans need these multiple touch points, these multiple moments. And they're super easy to find, actually, when you become intentional about setting aside the time to find them and do something about them. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the book that you and Eric have written and the work that you're doing. And I think for any leader, there, there are different types of leaders. There are those who need data, proof points, et cetera, as to why I should do this in his works. And, and you have that in the book with several case studies and results that you have from your own clients as well. But I also yeah. think um, some of us need, you know, practical action steps. And those are laid out in the book with the pillars and the, the workplace human rights as well. So I appreciate what you've done with the book. And thank you for joining me here today on the Impact Makers Podcast. Good, a, a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's time for you to get noticed, create change, and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.